Welcome to today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy Women in MedTech series. Joined today is got um, obviously myself, Colleen Patterson, also Barbara Strain, Abby Norfleet, and Stephanie Pitts, like always. And we're very fortunate to also have Abby Jones. Abby Jones is the founder and CEO of MedPaper and the inventor of its flagship product, Ecopee. She's passionate about disrupting the industry to provide a more comfortable and sustainable patient experience and credits her success to the drive, perseverance, and support she had while creating her own business. Welcome, Abby. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Of course. Barbara, I know that you and Abby have been working together now for for the last little bit, um, you know, helping Abby get her products to market. So I'm going to actually pass it over to you to take leadership on the beginning part of our conversation today. Well, thank you, Colleen. I I sort of uh, put dibs on this first question series and sort of introducing uh, Abby. She's been a delight to work with and quite an entrepreneur. And she just has some great stories and then how her career evolved and some of those things that she's had to work out and some of the things that she's experienced. And I thought it'd be really great for our audience. So Abby, thanks for agreeing to be on here and uh, talk with us and sort of bury your soul. Some of the things that you've had to go through. Um, You actually in your bio are an inventor of a product. And I think one of the first things that maybe in our audience, how in the world do you come up with an idea and then be able to take it all the way through? So you've got a great personal experience story. I'm going to kind of combine this with a with a couple of things so you can talk a little bit about um, how much did you actually research the market and a variety of things like that. But Tell us a little bit about your personal experience and how it just sort of made this story and then how things just sort of took off from there. And we'll we'll take it from there. Okay. well, um, my background, it's interesting how these steps in your background can prepare you for your future. And so I actually um, was a high school health teacher for about six years and took a very weird leap from teaching to pharmaceutical sales. Um, And when I transitioned into pharmaceutical sales, I I sold to OBGYN, I was a specialty group. And um, in the midst of, you know, pharmaceutical sales, we hold the door up, we hold the wall up waiting for that signature so we can have the doctor sign off. Um, I was watching these women going in and out of these OBGYN offices and there had been struggles. with with taking urine samples. And during that time, I was having my own children and I knew my own personal struggle. I mean, I I could not hit the cup to save my life, but of course, nobody really talks about it. It's just part of what you do. You wash your hands and and you move on. But it was interesting because as I was struggling, I was really paying attention to other women's struggle. And it was all women, all sizes, you know, all shapes, all ages. And um, of course, you make friends with the lab techs and nurses in your offices. And so I started asking them, is is this a problem? And I mean, it was a very passionate response from all of them, like, oh, my gosh, I clean the bathrooms all day long. And yes, everybody, you know, they drop it in the toilet, they miss the cup, they have to drink water in the waiting room, it pushes our schedules back. And this really passionate response from them, A, just validated that I'm not an idiot and everybody struggles with this, and B, that this is a real problem. 
And I can tell you the office I was standing in, in Mobile, Alabama, when an image just popped in my head and it was a funnel. And I just thought, why isn't there an easier way to collect a urine sample? I mean, you hand women these tiny cups and, you know, best of luck. And so this image of a funnel popped in my head. Um, and I thought, huh, that would be a good thing to have, you know? Um, and then I switched over to a larger pharma and I was in family offices and again, paying attention, but I saw children struggling. I saw elderly people struggling and it went outside of women, which to me was a much bigger market. More people are struggling with this. Um, and so that's where the idea came from. It was my struggles and my experiences watching. And then um, I finally, I held the idea hostage. And that's how I say it. I held it hostage for seven years in my head. And finally, I just thought, I'm going to, I'm going to see about this. I'm just going to see about this idea. I, I just kept feeling so strongly to pursue it. And so I um called my brother, who's an attorney, and I said, I know this is crazy, and I know there's probably a thousand out there. Would you do a patent search? And I tell him this idea. Of course, I had to really go in and explain to him. He's like, wait, this is a problem? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yes. And so I have to explain to him why this is a problem. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do a patent search. And he came back to me, Barbara, and he said, Abby, there's nothing. I cannot believe it, but there's nothing. So my market um, research was a patent search <laughs> and my own, you know, watching in two different offices. Um, and so that's that's how I got the idea. And that's what my next step was, was was just, is this even available to pursue? Um, and that's- So Abby, you, you just said something really interesting to me, which is the idea of like, hey, I'm seeing a problem. I feel like there's there could or should be something better there, but you didn't do anything for those seven years. Why? Why, why wait? And then I think even more importantly than that, but was there anything that happened after that, that span of time where you were like, now should be the time. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. It was actually the worst time actually, because I had three really small children mm -hmm. and I was a single mom at this point. And it was not the time to disrupt my security of my pharmaceutical paycheck. You know, I mean, I was doing well at three small children. I could rearrange my schedule to take them to school, pick them up. So for a long time, it was just out. I, I was scared. You know, I mean, how do you even begin to start something like this? I mean, I know you you search for a patent, but I mean, there was like two weeks. I just I was like, what do you do now? You know, and, and so nobody tells you what to do. You have to figure it out. But there was just something I don't know. It just propelled me. I thought I I there's more. There's more. I was killing myself. I was working my booty off for another company. And I was like, I, I, there's more. I, I can do this. I, I can I can do what's been put inside of me and this idea in my head. You know, it wasn't given to me just out of the blue. There's a reason I've been gifted this idea and I just need to pursue it. So I did. And again, it was at the absolute worst time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's impetus in itself. Exactly. I'm always interested when I hear stories like this is, and maybe our audience, maybe it was easy for them or they've struggled, but how in the world do you set out then to pick 
like business partners? And how do you really go from there? What What's a process? So we can focus on that piece. Yeah, well, so there's so much legal work, first of all, you know, um, I had to apply for a patent, you know, immediately. Um, and so I did have my brother there who I trust. And through all the legal works, we have five attorneys. And I don't know about y'all, but attorneys speak a different language to me. And so I I will just sign anything. <laughs> so I have, <laughs> I would, you know, because I'm just like, okay. But, but my brother, thank goodness, is my chief legal officer. So, of course, everything runs through him. And he can explain it to me. And we can sit down and have a good conversation. At the end of the day, I trust him. And he he says, yes, we need to do this or let's wait. And so that's been a huge blessing. Let me tell you, because that's how a lot of businesses can sink right off the bat is, is legal stuff and unnecessary legal work. So having him by my side and then, you know, as we're going down the, the path of how are we going to make it? And I just said, I cannot make this a one-time use plastic. I can't do it. It's I can't. It's, and so I said paper. and um, Nobody's done paper before. Uh, my best friend's dad owns a paper company. So I called another very trustworthy man and he said, I can't do it, but I will put you in front of someone who can. He made one phone call to GPI, which is Graphic Packaging International, huge company. And um, Chuck said, you know what? My boss told me last week to start fishing in new ponds specifically the medical industry. I would love to sit down with her. So a week later, I was in Tennessee sitting across from him. I pitched him the idea and he said, yep, you have every resource we have in our available to you. He said, you have our engineers, you have our graphic designers. You, I mean, he, he was just like, what do you need? That never happens. So it was like things just kept doors kept opening and things kept progressing. And I just kind of kept walking through them, you know. So having GPI come up next to me was a huge blessing as well. Right. I mean, they're all their engineers. I mean, I sat down with a room full of men and they were all men. And I say that because I had to explain this to them again. And I was like, hey, you guys, this is a problem. And uh, it was funny because the first meeting they were like, OK, well, I mean, it's a good idea. And then the second meeting, it was the next day and they had all gone home and spoken to their wives. And the next day they were on fire for this product. I mean, they were so passionate. <laughs> this one guy, it's like, oh, y'all spoke to your wives. Um, this one guy apologized and was like, it's okay. Let's just fix it. Let's fix it. You know, you know, it's okay. And so it's, that's just been interesting. But to have them come along beside me um, as a business partner, was was huge. And then finding my investors, I could not have better investors. They're all very tenured businessmen. So what I was lacking in the business sense of all of this, they came beside me and kind of took my hand and helped me. So it, it was just all the right people at the right time. So I think, uh, and um, Abby, I'm going to let you go next because I do. I just have one quick thing I want to ask about that. You're, yeah. So you're talking about the investors and the businessmen and historically what we've seen, and this is not just the people on this particular call, but industry-wide is that funding for women-led products or products that are specifically addressing female needs and whether that is the, the children or females themselves is significantly and markedly less than products that are primarily gender normed to men. Do you feel like you encountered any of that? Because it, it does almost sound like all the doors were just, you know, happening to be opening or, or do you feel like that was something you had to battle through? No, I had to battle through it. I think that 
but what with with the device I have, it gets to a real uncomfortable point where I can I can paint a real pretty picture for these people visually that makes them very uncomfortable. Like, okay, you got it, you got it, you got it. You know, it's just <laughs> and so uh, I could do that, but but also the market size. And so I, you know, when you walk in and you read a room and you're full of in front of businessmen, what are they thinking of? Money. How can this, why is this a good investment for me? So yes, while it is mostly for women and children, um, the market, the size of the market, there's nothing else out there really. I really focused more on that and just read the room and played to their interest and and kind of got past that. But but there have been times where I've been sitting in front of CEOs of hospitals. Now they weren't clinicians, they're businessmen usually. And so they're like, this, this seems like a very unnecessary product. Um, this is just adding to our bottom line. You're paying in a cup, like, you know, and they kind of come hard at me. And so I enjoy that. And that kind of push right back. And that's when I really go into the anatomy of a woman and a child. <laughs> and I really paint a picture. And by the end of it, they are all on board. And where do I sign? So it's just, you know, it is that there is pushback. But I think this device um, is so diverse. Again, it's so marketable. The market shares are huge, but also just really starting a conversation that hasn't been talked about ever. I don't know people talking about this. And so just having these conversations, making people aware is sometimes the first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Colleen's uh, question was very close to to what I was about to ask as well. Um, so as she alluded to, you know, as you've been going through your background and your story, a big part of it to me, it seems like, oh my gosh, like every door kept opening up. It was almost a too good to be true moment after moment after moment, which we all know, I believe is basically non-existent in any, any aspect of starting a company, running a business and everything else. So at what point, you know, when, when did you hit that? It really was too good to be true. And what were some of those obstacles that, that, and how did you overcome them? I guess is what I'm kind of interested in as well, because you've just kind of continued to pursue the mission. Um, and you may continue to hit those, but just out of curiosity, you know, at what point did that happen? And what was one of the first times that you actually overcame that? Oh, no, it hit real fast. I'm going to yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just going to sound so effortless, Abby. That you're just like, oh, no, it was no big deal. But we all know that there really was yeah. more than that. We, you know, and yeah. we have a tendency to downplay our yeah. achievements, but it's important for us to celebrate those. No, right. I just haven't gotten to that chapter yet. So oh. <laughs> I, I secured investors in December of 2019. Three months later, the world stopped and I'm developing a medical device. Like a what? I mean, I had several breakdowns, not really, but like how, what in the world? No one. I mean, everybody had lined up to do trials. You know, my engineers that I was working on this with, they're at home. They can't be pressing out paper and that, you know, in the testing lab. So anyway, what I was forced to do was build my foundation. The only, I was like, okay, what can I do? I literally sat in this office and thought to myself, what can I do? And in retrospect, was a huge blessing because I was forced to build my brand. I was forced to secure all of my legal. I mean, lawyers were still working. We know that. I mean, that, you know, so like my, <laughs> my patent, my trademarking, 
all of my operation agreements, everything that takes a long time, it does. And you can be very distracted by other things. I was forced to sit here and do it and do it correctly and build that foundation. And, and with my branding, you know, a lot of people wanted me to brand this pink. And I kept thinking, I can't brand this pink. This is not just for women. I know a of several men who are disabled or just have different kind of obstacles that they need this too. So we were able to hash that out, just little things like that, that I was able to do. And then I, I gave Ecopee the, the first one I had made. I just dropped it off at a lot of my friends' houses. I would drive and like put it on their front step you remember how scared we were of each other I, I was like throwing it at I was like just try it because you know and so as I got feedback during that time I actually changed the device because they said you know Abby this isn't working and and so I actually changed the device during COVID that I don't know I would have been able to in such a perfect time you know as that so so COVID was a huge hit um and just Gosh, I tell people all the time, I wish I had created Crocs or a Snuggly or something like that because developing something in the medical field or like, are you kidding? FDA, you know, it, there's so much red tape that I had no idea. I was like, it's a pee funnel. What? Oh, yeah. They all need to get their, you know, check marks by it. So, I mean, that's been obstacle after obstacle, you know, um, things don't happen quickly in, in the medical field and and um, having all of those things secured so I could launch so I could have a successful launch. And then you can't just walk into a hospital and say, hi, you know, you have to go through so many, especially after COVID. There are so many things you have to do to sell. Um but again, I just, I, every time my back was against the wall, I just had my mind made up. I'm not going to quit. What can I do? If I can't do that right now, fine. Where else can I put my energy? And I think that's just been my mindset this whole time. Just find something you can do. Show up every day and do something to move the needle. And it might be a really small move, but I moved it. Um, that's just been my attitude. Abby, one thing that you um, I'm picking up um, from what you're sharing is it. I hear a lot of innovators and startups talking about it's really like these divine connections that happen along the way. You meet so many people, you're trying to learn, you're gathering different perspectives, but there are a few of these key divine connections. Your brother obviously was a blessing um, and that was maybe easier. Um, do you have any, there's a lot of, in our audience, a lot of people who are thinking about their idea that they've been sitting on. Um, do you have any thoughts or guidance around how do you really set yourself self up for some of those divine connections that I, it sounds like were really critical to your success along the way? I think you just have to put your fear aside and talk to everybody because every connection was me being vulnerable putting that fear aside and speaking to my idea and every one of those conversations open another door. So if people don't know they can help you and you don't know how they can help you, I mean, how can you have to speak? You have to talk about it. You have to let people know what you're doing. Um, and, and that can be, that can be scary sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm a single mom. People are like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
you know, you're going to walk away from this job because of, you know, yeah, I am, you know, and so it's just, it's just having those conversations and letting people know, because what has astounded me is how small this world is Mm -hmm. um, and how connected people are where you have no idea. I mean, I called my best friend's dad just for some guidance. And he said, oh, I'll sit you down in front of the business director of the largest paper company in the world. I had no idea he had that. I was just calling for guidance. And so it's just calling people, letting people know your circle around you. Um, I mean, Barbara, how we met and and how she was connected to the consultant group. I met her and completely was separate, then met with her consultant group. And they said, well, you need to speak to this woman named Barbara Strain. And I said, I've already spoken to her. She's already done a value prop. And it was, they're in California. I'm Alabama. Like, how did that happen? And it was just, talking and letting everyone know I probably have driven everybody crazy but it's you know they know what I'm doing they know what I'm after and I'm not scared to ask for it um but that again you have to put that fear aside and just ask I love I love that point in particular it's actually something that came up with my team um we would do a meeting on Friday mornings earlier today about it's so uncomfortable to ask for help. You know, we are as a society and and as women used to being the helpers, not the helpies, not the people who are saying like, hey, can you, can you, you know, do this for me or I'm having a hardship there. So I think that, you know, the idea of having to put that fear aside, getting vulnerable is really something that's dynamic. But I think that there's also an aspect of it, especially, you know, as you're, you're a founder, you're a mom, you're, you're trying to move this needle, you're doing a lot of it during COVID by yourself. And one of the things I also am really interested to hear about is all the hats that we wear and how do you balance, you know, being the CEO and the mom and the business manager, you know, and what does that, what did that look like trying to find a great balance with, with all of those different incredibly pressing dynamics? Um, It's something I walk through every day and I think every day looks different, but I will tell you that I am incredibly, so my priorities are definitely solid. You know, I am a mom. Um, I am remarried. And so my husband is wonderful and a supporter. So he, you know, wherever I need a gap filled in, he is ready to take that. And I think that's important and, and a wonderful, like I can't leave him out of this conversation because he is such a team player and supporter and a true partner to me that he steps in when I need him. And that that is not something a lot of people have. So I am very, very thankful for that. But also I am, so my priorities are very straight. But I also just make sure that I put, I think Maya Angelou said, put your head where your feet are. And so when I am at work, my head is here. I am working because I know when I go home, it's going to switch and my head needs to be with them and my family. And I can't, you know, be at home thinking, oh, I should have done that at work or, you know, half minded here because I got to deal with the kids. I give it all that I have when I'm here so that when I go home, I know I gave it all at work. I can now pivot and give it to them. And, you know, I, I just try to do that. I try to, you know, I mean, I have three kids, they're, they're in ballet, they're in football, you know, there's games. I've got to hit the road and go off some trade shows. Barbara and I are going to Washington DC in October, but you know, I'm, I'm also very open with my children. They know I started a business. They know I'm running a business. And I, you know, I tell them if I've got to miss football tonight, but I'm going to have 
videos and pictures sent and I'm their biggest cheerleader, but I'm also very communicative with them. And hopefully one day they will look back and say, man, my mom was really working hard and, you know, with us as much as she could. So, um, you know, I, I want them to see that. I want my boys to see a working mom, a, a successful woman. I want my daughter to see that. Um, and then I want, I'm glad that they get to see my husband step in where it's needed, because I think that's important for everybody to see too. So it's just right now it's, it's working, <laughs> but ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think those are really valid points. I, uh, I, I too am a single mom still am. Well, my son's uh, now in his twenties, but um, he, you know, I had a, about well, the entire time I was a single mom, I did have a lot of support from other people within my network, my parents, my sister, friends, and things yeah. like that. And so I think it's just important to be able to tap into that and find people that are going to be able to continue to support you on what your mission and your path is. When I when I made the leap into a job that required travel versus one that required 14 days, 14 hours a day, four to five days a week just to get by, my family said, look, we're, we're going to try it. Worst case scenario, back to the hospital. One of the things that I found is it is that pendulum swing of sometimes you are having to spend more time and focus over here with the family and your personal life and everything that's going on. And other times you can have that balance of spending more time of your focus of your career and your job and every and, and what your mission is in that regard. And as you, you can have those puzzle pieces in place, I think that makes a big difference, but you have um, really managed it well. I can only imagine what it was like trying to set that foundation as a single mom doing all of the at-home schoolwork during pandemic as well. So oh, I, well, you're so I don't really know how much they progressed during that time, but we're just, there. <laughs> just gonna swing that back to the oh, teachers. Um but I will say in in asking for help, I, I have a a woman supporting woman entrepreneurs group I started in my town because there were so many entrepreneurs here and we're, we're all women. We're all wearing these different hats. And one meeting we were talking about how some women we could see just drowning and because they wouldn't ask for help. And we're like, but we know your parents, you have to. And they're like, I know, but I don't want to. And it's just, again, putting down that fear and asserting yourself and just asking, just like, I need help. And you know what? 99% of the time, of course, people are going to help you. They're going to rise to the occasion. You're going to have the support system around you. You just have to ask. And I think that's hard. Yeah. Uh, one of the things when uh, we've been talking off and on over the years so that we've known each other, you kept talking about being credible, having credibility. What did you really mean by that? What does that really mean to you? Well, I didn't have a, you know, a clinical background. You know, I was just a pharmaceutical rep with a good idea. You know, how do you validate that? And and so I just, that is when I really started doing some more research. You know, I knew with my background, you have to have data, you have to have numbers associated with things. Um, and so I, I started, I couldn't really validate myself, but I could find other people to validate me. So how can I find other people to validate me? And so, you know, partnering, um, with with Acceleron and Skender and you know the clinician exchange, y'all validated me and my idea by putting numbers to it, saying, oh yeah, you know, we we sent a survey, you know, we've done this and that, and then just trialing it in 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 offices. I used all the relationships that I had gained in my pharmaceutical sales because you become really close with these people. And I asked them to please trial it in their offices. 
just because. Again, I had to ask. And some offices really, I mean, some of those office managers are scary and you have to get past them. But, I, you know, I was determined to do it. And again, just the feedback I was getting was was just validating my idea, but also validating my, my product. So um, that's what I meant by that. So Great. as we're also talking about, you know, validating ideas and validating our products, you know, there there is still something that I've found to be very present in the in the you know global workplace right now, and that is the authority gap on women. And you know, I know that you've already said that you're you've surrounded yourself and you've you've got a lot of male supporters in your camp who are helping to push you forward. Are you ever finding though that when you're going into some of those business meetings that you're that they're not always listening to you. They're looking for the people around you to do that validation for you. Or do you really see that, you know, your people are really accepting you like as being that, that head of the conversation. When I walk into a meeting, people have a different view of what they're going to be getting. I think that, you know, I'm Southern. I'm, you know, I have this sweet Southern voice. And so they meet me on the phone like, oh, okay. And then, but when I walk in, it's a completely different energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not going to walk all over me and I might have a sweet voice and I might be able to say it sweetly, but we need to get on the same page here. And so there, there is a kind of an attitude that I bring with me, um, probably through, you know, my history of having to do that. I mean, I was a teacher, you know, of high school students. Um, <laughs> I mean, and uh, those are exactly the same. <laughs> right going. Again, they walked in my classroom thinking, oh, we got her, this sweet talking, uh-uh. And they were met with a wall. So I think they might think one thing when I walk in, but they get a complete different thing. And and really my entire team is men, mm-hmm. my entire team. And there's been pushback. I mean, I, I ordered inventory when they all didn't want to order inventory. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm ordering inventory because my gut is telling me to. And I know that that's the difference between us, but my gut is telling me to do it and I'm going to do it. And we're just going to have to figure it out. And that's where that conversation ended. And it ended up being the right move. But they were, you know, they were thinking of it differently. And, and men and women, we had we bring different traits to the table, right? And and that gut feeling I had to me trumped all of their math. <laughs> so I was like, nope, we're doing it. And um, I'm glad we did. Thank goodness we did. Um, so I, I, I imagine that is out there, but you just have to get some gumption and just let them know they're gonna hit a brick wall and you don't have to be ugly, you don't have to be mean. But this is not up for discussion. This is how I feel. And this is how we're going to move forward. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Very sweetly, bless your heart. Wrap it up with a bow, with a thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think tidbits would be really helpful at this point. So, you know, as as we've said, and and you've asked, had asked questions, asked about doors opened, and you sort of walk through them and things. But there are there still places that you need to go and how are you looking at trying to get there? You know, what sort of pathway do you want to make in, you know, business, you know, develop new products or what are you thinking of? What are the next steps that you want to take and how are you going to make those happen? 
So the first thing to do is to, to launch EcoP successfully and push that into the industry. That's the first thing I have to do. And, and I feel like we're doing the steps to do that. We have, a, you know, 22 reps out in the field and, and we're, they're pushing EcoP. We're finding our footing there. But that's not where this ends for me. And, and the reason my company is called Med Paper is because I have lots of ideas. And so EcoP is just the first product under there. My next product, I haven't patented yet, so I can't speak a lot to it, but it's made with paper and it and it, it is a solution to a, a terrible problem with, with babies. And so I found it out during COVID. Um, I found out about this problem. And so I've, I've got a patent, you know, we're, we're going through the process for that. I've actually been talking to 3M. I think I'm going to partner with 3M on it. And then I have a third product line coming out, but all of my products will be made with paper. Um, and so that's under the umbrella of med paper, but I, it's not, it's not eco P and done. I have a lot more to, to um, push out. I'm passionate about every one of my products because they they just simply provide a solution to silly problems. And it's thinking outside the box. It's doing it with paper, again, which is people are mind blown when I say, well, it's made with paper. Um, I think there's lots of places you could put more sustainable resources in um, within the hospital. I mean, of course, plastic has its place, but there are lots of places to start inserting paper. Um, so that's that's the tidbits. That's on my radar. That's what I plan to do and just continue to build med paper as a company with products underneath it. So do you do specific though research or have people do research for you? Like what are some of those problems out there? And maybe they are uh, female issues or pediatric issues and things. And then you can maybe put the eggs before the chicken right and kind of think of things that are going on because uh, Colleen and I were talking before about some statistics out there and that there's more money spent taking care of issues in healthcare that are related to more female problems, either cancers or various things like that than males, but yet there's less funding available to some of those cures and things that could help all of that. So um, do you ever do research on some specific things and maybe think backwards or has anyone brought something to you to say, gee, you have a great mind about thinking about these things. I want your opinion about this. I haven't had anybody bring anything to me yet, um, but so for my next product, it's it's a it's an adhesive for the face for the feeding tube and breathing tube, and um, my market research again nothing out there's nothing out there like it. So right now my my research is talking to everybody again talking to everybody I know and asking them, is this a problem? How is this a problem? Why is this a problem? What is happening? And I just continue to do that. So it's really just my own research. Um, and, but then I, I tap into these connections I have and what's been really nice about building EcoP. It has been a long trying road as we know when you start up this. I mean, it, it's not been gumdrops and fairy tales the whole time. It's, it's been hard work, but 
I have found the right people for my next products that I can go back and tap into. I know I can, you know, call Colleen and Skinder and say, hey, I need some really good research on my next product and they will be able to deliver that. Um, so I think that's what's a little bit interesting about my products is there's nothing else like it to get data. So I kind of have to I have to kind of make it happen by by partnering with other people. Mm -hmm. And yes, to answer your question for my next products, I would love to have the data first. And then I think that's definitely the way to go. And I will do that the proper way (laughs) with my next products. Abby, I just want to call out something that to me, you've done really, really exceptionally well. Oftentimes people think of an idea And then they try to find the problem that that idea will solve. And that concept doesn't always lead to great success. And what you've done, whether you realize it or not, is you've actually followed the biodesign process, which almost like to the T. And and the very first thing in that is need finding. And just listening to you, you know, with Ecopee, I mean, I think we all, all of us ladies on this call can definitely relate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a need. Um, you screened it, you vetted it, you talked with your friends. And I mean, you've literally, there's, you know, these key steps in the biodesign process and truly deeply understanding a need and working to solve it um, is the very first step. And I think if you continue down that process, I can't wait to continue to watch your success. So kudos to you. Thank you. That um, scientific method from my high school teaching years, apparently it was in the back of my mind and, you know, (laughs) have a hypothesis, search, you know, search the problems I think was there subconsciously um, to figure that out. But, but, you know, I am very passionate about it, especially as it has turned um, from women, of course, very passionate about that. But when it slipped into children and, you know, a three-year-old able to get her own urine sample for the first time all by herself and given her that independence. And um, we traveled at a children's hospital and, and it actually cut down on the use of catheters they were ordering in their ED mm-hmm. department and the trauma that comes with that for these, these children. Um, I know I didn't cure cancer, but there is a lot of um, dignity brought back in some pretty meaningful ways. I had an elderly woman with severe Parkinson's give her own urine sample and she cried. She cried to her OBGYN because she's so private and she was able to do it by herself without someone in there with her. And she, it just, so these are meaningful um, stories I'm getting back and it really motivates me to just keep going on those hard days. I just remember these stories and it pushes me forward to keep going because um, there are hard days that push through, right? I know we are getting toward the, the end of our time with you today. So I'm going to start opening it up to final questions from our team. And the one that I, I always really like to look at is, you know, hindsight's 2020. There's, there's so many things where it's like, it, man, if I'd only known then what I know now, if you oh could go back to, to, you know, your younger Abby, what would be the piece of advice that, that thing that's like, man, if I had just known this, what would you what would you go back and tell your younger self who was just coming up with this idea? You know, is there anything you would have done differently? 
know if I would have done anything differently because I think the timing all worked out, but I for sure, and I don't know how this is going to be taken. I would have asked for a lot more money because (laughs) because I think I sold sold myself short. I I mean, I just, I did. I was thinking, oh, this this amount is so big to me in the business world. And now I know what I know. I mean, I've tried to have, you know, looked at kind of poked around for more funding and they're like, unless you're asking for 20 million, we're not interested. And I'm like, you know, so I think I should have asked and planned for a lot more money just to have that comfort of runway because you never know what is behind door A, B, C, D, you know, and especially in the medical field of, you know, what you have to pay to Mm -hmm. check off the mark and um, for it to be introduced into the medical field. So I think I sold myself a little short um, and I should have asked for way more. Um, But other than that, you know, even COVID, I can look back at that with a good attitude and appreciate that time. Um, But it did take me getting past that to look back and appreciate that. So um, I think everything really worked out the way it was supposed to just would have asked for more money. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, thank you, Abby. I mean, it's been really, really enlightening and you're, you're definitely very inspirational in your resiliency that you have. And you're just, you're like, I'm not giving up on this and I'm going to figure out the best way to make this happen and continue to grow it. Um, but one of the things that I did want to ask and, and maybe better understand is, you know, you, you keep talking about the the raising of money and having to partner with all these businessmen or investors. At any point in time, did you ever sit down with somebody that, you know, they were ready to partner with you, but for some reason they weren't a good fit for you? And where you just said, look, this is great, but this isn't going to be a good fit for me and walk away because it just wasn't going to be in line with your mission. Yes. Um, there have been a couple of people that I sat down and they had big checkbooks and they were lovely people, but at the end of the day, they wanted to take this thing a completely different direction and they didn't see my vision. And um, I am patenting EcoP overseas um, in Europe and because we have a, a pretty nice social media presence. And so people, women were reaching out to me um, from England um, and other parts of Europe saying, we need this. We were We are handed the actual test tube to leave a urine sample. Please understand what the, the actual half diameter test tube is what they're given. And I, you know, and they're like, please, please, you know, so um, I wanted, and I feel the need to extend this to outside of the United States. And, and some of those people did not feel aligned with that. They just felt like, let's just, the money is here. Let's just stop it here. But that's not my mission. I want to offer this to everyone who needs assistance. And that is everyone. And I cannot imagine telling a woman, nope, we're good. (laughs) You know, and and is that harder? And is it a little bit down the road? Yes, it is. But I'm going to take on that challenge because my mission is to provide a solution to everyone that needs it. It's not how big can I get my checking account? You know what I mean? And so if you're really not in line with that, then we are not in line. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Stephanie, you have a last comment or question for Abby? Abby, I just, I, again, I really um, admire your process, um, really, you know, solving true needs. Um, I love the fact that you've really taken advantage of the divine connections that you've had along the way. 
And um, I love how you just own your business like a boss. Like, you know, like the way you just said that and responded to that, it was like, hey, no, thanks. But I still felt good about it. And um, I think you exude so many things that are right about um, med tech, about innovation, and really are an amazing example of a woman in this space. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I just want to thank you, Abby, for coming on and sharing. I think uh, a, a lot of people uh, have gotten that thing about making that base foundation, being passionate, making sure that you're filling a need and things. And we're looking forward to your next step in, in what your journey is. Thank you, Barbara. I'm sure you'll be there to help me every step of the way. So <laughs> we'll do it together. But thank you all so much for your time, your questions. I loved this so much. It's so nice being with like-minded women and celebrating each other. So thank you so much for all of your time. As we wrap up today, I just want to reiterate some key points from the discussion. Be sure to build your foundation. Showing up every day, finding one thing to move the needle and put your fear aside, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. It's wonderful to have you with us today, Abby, and we look forward to seeing EcoP and MedPaper in the market. If you have not already done so, be sure to subscribe to the MedTech Business Academy, and we look forward to having you join us on future episodes. Thank you.